Amen. Our scripture this morning comes out of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 23. You can find that there in your own Bibles. You can find that on a, in an online Bible as well, or uh, as always. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm to the age that I, I, love, I love the paper. I love the paper books, and so I always try to follow along in my own Bible. Again, Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 23. Mary Nethercutt will be reading our scripture for us this morning. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me? Oh Lord, this is your Word of life. Make us people of life that your love may be experienced all over the world. And now, God, may your words be my words. May your thoughts and your meditations be our thoughts and our meditations so that they all may be a blessing, an offering to you, O God, our Redeemer, through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. When I was growing up, I felt alone as a child. I, I, was, I was not I was not necessarily a a lonely child, but oftentimes I felt alone as a child. Now, I had four older siblings. Some of them are are, are watching this sermon today, so I won't say too many things about them. But um, I remember feeling, having a sense of of being alone when I was a a child. In in fact, at, at one point, whenever I watched my older siblings grow up and uh, move away and abandon me, or at least that's how I took it as the youngest of the child uh, of of the children. They they grew up that that natural process of growing up and and moving away. I vowed when I was a young boy that I would never need anyone again in my life. I I, I was hurt. I was so hurt from their natural rhythm of growing up and leaving home that I became even even lonely. I had thoughts that I would, I would one day get married and I would one day have children so that I could, I could take care of those children and I could take care of a wife. Even after I met Amy, I never, I never thought that I would actually need her. I had found someone to care for and then it happened. I realized that I needed her and it scared me to death. Absolutely scared me to death. I I had spent so much of my life alone, and now that I needed someone, I was was absolutely terrified. I almost, well, in fact, I tried to jump out of that relationship with with her, but she she began to help me realize that we had a, a need for one another. And that was a lesson that was so vitally important to me. And I think, I think, I think that, that it's important for all of us to understand. 
I didn't realize what was, what was really at the heart of my fear was, was the fear of being alone. It wasn't my fear that I would, I would never need anyone. In fact, what my fear really was, was that I was terrified of being alone. And, and that's, a, that's a natural fear of being alone. Now, today we're continuing our, sermon, our short sermon series dealing with our fears. Last week, last week we looked at the fear of the unknown. And certainly last week was, was an important day in the life of our church. For 19, in 1995, on April the 16th, that last Sunday that we worshiped in our old sanctuary, we didn't know what laid in front of us. We didn't know what was in store for us as a church. And likewise, as, as, a, as, as Oklahomans, as, as Americans, we didn't know what was coming on April the 19th. And sometimes the fear of the unknown can, can terrify us so much, can, can petrify us so much that we that, that we become unable to, uh, to move forward because we don't know exactly what's coming, what's coming on the other side. But God has called us to continue to put one step in front of the other. And we also saw how, how God knows what's on the other side. And we've seen that, the, that the, as, as you've heard me say so many times, the, last, the, the worst thing is never the last thing. And so God recognizes that, and God has a plan for each and every one of us. And so today we turn our attention to, to our fear of being alone, to our fear of being alone. Many experts, many experts say that fear of being alive, alone drives many of, uh, many of our other fears that we have in our lives. Loneliness is simply the, the feeling of sadness that comes from a sense of social isolation, from, from, being, from feeling alone as, as though we have no real companion with whom to share our lives. Let me, let, me, let me say that again. Loneliness is the fear of sadness that comes from a sense of social isolation, from feeling alone as though we have no real companions with whom to share our life. And, and I, would, I, would, I would suggest that during this season of social isolation, uh, we have a fear of being alone. The, 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 the feeling of being alone and lonely is more prevalent today than likely it has ever been in the history, at least in Western history. While several health experts warned about the potential fallout from social distancing during this time of this global epidemic, few appreciated how deep, how deeply this would impact us. We miss our families. We miss our friends. Our, we miss our workspaces even. And we have and so many other social habits that we took for granted. We miss being able to go to a restaurant and sit at a crowded restaurant and, and hear the hustle and bustle. We, we, we even, I mean, dare I say, we even miss standing in line when we're in the midst of other people. We miss all of those things. 
Perhaps most revealing in this need of, uh, uh, and this fear of being alone is a, is a recent story that, that some have begun to turn to telemarketing calls and calls from banks. We've started answering those telemarketing calls because we just want someone to talk to. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's a stranger. We just want to talk to someone. Someone. This need, this, this need for for social interaction has pushed many of us even deeper into our social media platforms. While a, while a needed tool for many, and, and, and for me, it's a way for me to catch up with some friends and, and to see what else is going on in the world, social media was, was problematic, problematic even before the quarantine. But left unchecked, left unchecked this uh, this connection to our social media, this constant connection to our social media, it has a tendency to consume our time while, e- while leaving us feeling disconnected. What I have found through social media, social media is like being on social media is like drinking salt water. It can give us the illusion of social connection while actually inflaming our desire. It's a poor excuse for real, real connectedness. Indeed, it, it's fun to scroll through and look at pictures of, of, of whatever people are posting or uh, look at uh, funny memes that people are sharing back and forth, but it really, it really isn't true connectedness. It isn't really true interaction with others. And what I found is that the more that we are on social media, the hungrier we become for true and inti- true intimacy with one another. All people, all people know loneliness at some point or another in our lives. For some of us, they are moments. For others of us, they are seasons of life. I, I, I believe, and what I have found is that oftentimes when we have deep and abiding fears, they can lead us to catastrophize. That is, that is to believe that the, the, uh, the, the worst about a situation. So last week, as, as, we, as we thought about being fearful of the unknown, we began to catastrophize that. And we think, oh my gosh, what if, what if this happens? And then what if this happens? And, and things just begin to, to blow up when we think about the future. The same can be said about our, fe- about our fear of being alone. We think the worst about the situation. So we feel lonely, but our fear leads us to think something like, well, I'll never have a friend because I'm not good enough. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not good looking enough. I'm not, I'm not smart enough. We tell ourselves, no one wants to be around me. I will always be lonely. I will die alone. You see how that how that begins to swirl around and it's a, it's a, it's a never-ending abyss, we begin to catastrophize it just a little bit. I will die all alone and, and no one will notice or care. Some of you have gone down that path over the, over the last few weeks. Some of us, we are more prone to going down that path or others. 
or th- more, than, more than others. And for some of us, our loneliness and fear can become chronic and persistent and ongoing. And when it does, we, we withdraw to protect ourselves. And the more we withdraw and protect ourselves from feeling alone, the more alone we feel. And the more fearful we are of being alone. Researchers have called this a crisis of loneliness. One British study measured the physiological effects of loneliness and concluded that the effects of chronic loneliness on the body are the same as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, and it is more dangerous than obesity. This feeling of of being alone, a fear of loneliness, is even more dangerous than obesity. It said that lonely people are 50 50 more likely to die prematurely than those with healthy social relationships. The authors suspect that loneliness decreases your immunity and increases your risk of disease and inflammation in the body. So why are we so lonely? Well, obviously, and in this season, we know why we feel so lonely, because we are practicing social distancing. I, I mentioned in Sunday school this morning that we, I, Amy and I had an opportunity to go to my, to my, to my parents' house yesterday, and we spent we spent two or three hours with them, and before before this past week, they had made when they had been making everyone to sit on their their porch out the, the deck outside their house. But yesterday, we were actually able to go into my parents' house, and it was such a joy. It absolutely was such a joy. We understand that during this season of social distancing, we're just we're not able to connect with one another. We're not able to have those intimate kinds of conversations that we are used to having and, and so in need of having. But I think that it, this, this season of social distancing is coming right in, the, right in the middle of a culture in which we are always distant from other people. Think about this. A, a century ago, people were born and they grew up and they lived and they worked and they died in the same community. Think about that. When a century ago, people, people were born in the exact same community that they died in. This was the community that they had spent their entire life, with, life in. They had lifelong connections. Today, today only 24% of Americans live their entire lives in the same community. The average American will, lead, will, will move almost 12 times in their life, and each move invo- involves severing some social system that we have built up. Futurists estimate that millennials, millennials will need to change a job every three years to get ahead in life. How does, how does a person maintain friendships with coworkers when they keep changing jobs? About 40% of of all first-time marriages today end in divorce. Those divorces sever relationships not only between spouses, but also between the spouse and in-laws and cousins and aunts and uncles. And I mean, we just have become more and more and more fractured as a culture. And so now we have found ourselves in the midst of this in the midst of this culture that we are already fragmented and we are disconnected, now 
Now it's even, it's even more. Now it's even more. And so as we come to Scripture, we, we discover that disconnection. We discover that disconnection is the very first thing in the Bible that God said is not good. Isn't that interesting? In Genesis chapter 2, we, we, the, the, Lord, the, Lord, the Lord said this, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. The first man who ever lived on the planet suffered the pain of being alone. And God said that it is not good. It is not good for people to be alone. And the Bible tells us of stories of others along the way. Think of, think of Noah who preached for 120 years and not one person was converted. Not one person he and his family were alone when they were saved through the flood. Think about Hagar, who had, who had gotten into domestic difficulty and ended up in the desert. And if you read that story, that's about the loneliest story you could ever, that, that, I, that I find in Scripture. She was all alone, absolutely all alone. And then in, in, what, in what I believe is, is likely the loneliest verse in all in, of Scripture, Psalm 142, in verse 4, David says, Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. Did you hear that? Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. The Bible doesn't try to hide this feeling of loneliness and being alone. Indeed, Jesus, we find being alone time and time and time again. I don't find, however, that when Jesus is alone, he feels like he's all alone. I don't think that he thought that he was all alone when he really was alone. Our scripture today is one of those many instances in which Jesus finds himself alone on a mountainside. In this instance, he's alone on the mountainside to pray. He has sent his disciples on, on ahead of, of him. And then, and then as Miss Kendall uh, retold the story, how, how he, he then, um, it was... In the middle of the night, the disciples were on the boat. They were out in the, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, again, I, I have a sense that they felt like they were all alone until they realized they weren't all alone. They saw something across the water, and, and they thought maybe it was a ghost, but instead they recognized it was Jesus. And Peter, feeling all alone, he wanted to come to his Savior. And he too began to walk on that water. Have you ever recognized when Peter began to sink? When he began to think that he was yet again all alone. He took his eyes off of Jesus. He took his eyes off of his Savior. And he began to, he began to focus on those, those, those waves and that wind that was around him. And they, then he thought that he was all alone. And when he felt like he was all alone, he began to, he began 
he began to sink. He began to sink. Time and again. Time and again, when Jesus was alone, he, he didn't feel lonely. So why was that? Why was that? Well, when Jesus was alone, he wasn't alone. And the same rings true for us. When we are alone, we are not alone. When we are alone, we are not alone. Psalm 139 is one of the most well-known psalms in, in all of that book. It's, it, it's, for, it, it's, it's known for its beauty and comfort and hope. It's attributed to King David and begins, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hidden me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is so high that I cannot attain it in this psalm it is clear that God is our perpetual companion when we are alone we are not alone for you see, we have the risen Lord in our midst. We have, the, we have the Lord of miracles. We have the Lord of the Holy Spirit. We have the Lord Almighty in our midst. We are never, ever, ever alone. Those of you who are, who are in your apartment or, or in your house and you are, you are all, when you think you are all alone right there where you are and in front of your screen, not alone. The Lord is with you. The resurrected Jesus Christ is, is with you. When we feel like we are alone, oh, oh, indeed, we are not alone. We need community. And one of the reasons that we need community is in community, it reminds us that we are never alone. One of the reasons that I, am, I can hardly wait, one of the reasons that I can hardly wait to get back to in-person worship is so that I can see the, the very Spirit of Christ in your faces. Indeed, we can do that a little bit through some Zoom calls and some, and some online conversations. We can do that just a little bit, but there's nothing like, there's nothing like the warm embrace of a fellow church member on Sunday morning to remind us that we are not alone. No matter what we're going through in our lives, we are absolutely not alone. And when I get that hug from, um, from uh, Evelyn Mullins every Sunday morning, when I get that hug from, from Miss Wanda on Sunday mornings, when I'm able to, to feel that warm embrace from our church members it reminds me that the Lord is with me at all times, at all times. You see, when we are in community, when we're com in community, it's an opportunity for us to remind one another that you're not alone. Not only are we with one another, but we're also reminded that the Lord is with us as well. This coming fall, this coming fall here at First Church, um, we're going to begin a, a new initiative. 
Uh, for the last few years as I have been here, I have heard so much about the amazing things that have, that have gone on here at First Church, and many of those we have, we have let slip by the wayside. One of those things that I have heard so much about are the community groups, the home groups that we used to have here at First Church. One of the things that I've recognized, and, and many of you have heard me talk about it, is that here at First Church, it is as if we are in a, we are in a, a community desert. There's no community where we are. We're not really in a neighborhood. Well, we are in a neighborhood, but it's certainly not a residential neighborhood. We have some businesses uh, there on Broadway. We have some, uh, some corporations just to the south of us. We have a, a, a beautiful museum here just, to, just to, the, to the west of us. We have a, a number of businesses to the north of us as well. But there's no real sense of community. It's as if we're in a community desert. And we're trying to create an oasis of community here at First Church. So this fall, we're going we're gonna to begin again those community groups here at First Church. I have heard so many stories from so many of you, how those community groups were really what began to form connections in the life of this church for so many years. And then over the years, we've just kind of let them filter away. I know that there are still one or two of those community groups that continue to meet. And we'll be looking at, especially at that one or two community groups that are continuing to meet, possibly as a model, what some of the things that they're doing that they're doing well that we can um, that we too can continue to do here in the life of our church. Many of us, many of us over these last few weeks, we have felt so very alone. And I would challenge you. I would challenge you, especially those of you who have, who have felt so alone, those of you who have, who have felt so isolated. Many of you I've, I've talked to on the phone. I've, I've visited with you about, about your feelings and, uh, and, 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 and the emotions that you've been going through. One of the things that I've noticed, however, is that in my calls to so many of you here at the church, one of the things that I've noticed is that those who are, who are doing the best or, and, and handling this the best are those who are tuning in to our Sunday, Sunday school on Sunday morning. Those of you who are in our Bible studies on, on, on Wednesday evenings or on Tuesday mornings or Thursday mornings as well. Those, are, uh, those of you who are doing well, you, you, have, you have children who are connecting with Miss Kendall or you're, you have a youth that's connecting with, with Ridge and our other volunteer leaders or you're a uh, young adult who are connecting with some of our smaller groups. I beg you, I absolutely beg you, don't isolate yourself more than what you have to. This fear of being alone is a real fear. It's scary to think about. But today, remember that when you're alone, you're really not alone. And when we experience that fear of being alone, remember we're called to come together. Come together in small groups. Come together in those Zoom meetings. Come together. Come together and connect with one another. Would you bow with me? Oh Lord, during this season of isolation and social distancing,
We've heard it a, a hundred times, it seems. This is not a season to be relationally distant. It's not a season to distance ourselves from our fellow church members. It's not a season to distance ourselves from you. Oh Lord, we were created to be in community with one another. Lord, we ask that you would give us those opportunities to, to, to engage with one another. Those opportunities to, to be with one another. Lord, we're just going to have to be more proactive than we've ever been in connecting with other people. Help us to not be fearful of being alone. Help us to know that when we're alone, we're not alone because you are with us. God, help us to be in community, to be committed to being in community. Lead us and guide us as a church in the coming days, coming weeks, and coming months as we build community at Oklahoma City First United Methodist Church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.